0: Today's scripture reading will come from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. And if you're using the Bible in front of you in the pew, it is on page 1230. And this is a little bit shorter scripture reading than I usually get. I usually get about 32 pages or so. But so I'm going to ask if it's possible for you, would you stand while we read this? Because. I believe that the Word of God is living, powerful, and just as important now as it was, is when it was written, and I believe that we sometimes forget that. Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And we believe that God will bless the reading of his word today. You may be seated.
1: Welcome to a brand new series on relationships. Real talk about relationships and we are going to dive into this. It's a little bit of a different series than what we've done before. Now when you think of relationships, probably the first thing that comes to mind are romantic relationships because that's just what you think of with that term these days and society is kind of grounded that into us and if you're on any kind of social media or anything like that you get asked about your relationship status right and you have to put either single or married or dating or divorced or you know whatever they have a whole assortment of relationship statuses out there and so we've come to associate relationships with the romantic kind but this series goes beyond that we're going to talk about a wide variety of relationships and uh, you know, relationships are something that certainly mattered to God. They mattered to Jesus. Uh, Jesus taught about them all the time. He was constantly making relationships and friendships. I mean, that's what you do when you sit down to a meal with someone. and Jesus was all the time sitting down to a meal with different people. and, and that's still one of the best and fastest ways to make friends and to build relationships. And so obviously it mattered to Jesus. Much of his teaching was about relationships. Much of the, uh, many of the stories, the parables that he told to teach with were about relationships. You know, that was the illustrations that he used. Uh, and, And not only that, but, you know, they asked him, what is the greatest command? And he said, well, there's two of them. There's love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. So that we see that for Jesus... He believed that somehow the way that we relate to one another, our relationships with each other, is a direct reflection. It's indicative of our relationship with God. Somehow the two are correlated. And so if we want to be good Christians, if we want to be people who love God, then we've got to do well with relationships as well. Relationships mattered a lot to Jesus. But of course, relationships matter a lot to us too, don't they? I mean, and to anyone in this world. Relationships, you might say, are what the, makes the world go round. I mean, it's a dark thought, but think about—you know—why do people get depressed? Why do people turn to suicide or suicidal thoughts sometimes? I can tell you, it's not because their shirt shrank in the wash. All right, it's not because they ran out of tapioca pudding. It's not even because their favorite sports team lost. Although Julie might would tell you that sometimes. It sends me pretty low when the Tigers lose. But luckily, last night was a great victory, and so I'm on cloud nine today. We're doing good. But that being said, it's the things that... It's the relationships that send people... It's a sense of loneliness or of heartbreak or of shame and regret in their relationships that causes people to feel so depressed. I mean, basically, the quality... How we view the quality of our lives is directly related to how we see the quality of our relationships with people, in our family, and in our friends. And so if relationships matter this much to God, and they matter that much to us, then it makes sense that we spend some time talking about relationships and how to do relationships better. When was the last time that you just took inventory of your life and said, how can I be a better friend? To my friends? How can I be a better spouse to my spouse? How can I be a better parent to my kids or a better kid to my parents? Or how can I do better with relationships? And so that's what the point of this is. Now, we're spending, you know, one week on each of these different kinds of relationships and on each one of them, there's been thousands of books written on how to do it right, especially when we get into things like marriage or parenting. I mean, there's just thousands and thousands of books on how to do that right. And so we're obviously not going to be able to cover everything. This won't even be able to be, you know, like a counseling session or anything like that. We just won't have time to get into everything. But, What we can do is we can hold each type of relationship that we have in our lives under the very bright light of the most radical relationship principle the world has ever heard. And it obviously, of course, comes from Jesus, who is always being radical and giving thoughts that just blow our minds even yet today because they're so radically different than the way we're used to seeing things run in this world. And so we're going to take our various relationships and hold them under the light of this radical relationship principle. But before we can look at that principle, we need to understand the pre-principle. I've never really heard of a pre-principle, but we have one in this series, all right? It's a pre-principle. It's the thing you need to understand before you'll understand just what a big deal this relationship principle is. And the pre principle is this the people of this world regard relationships as a means to profit themselves. That's how the world does relationships. Sounds kind of cold, right? To put it that way. And yet, when we look at our relationships, we can see signs that this is so often the case. I was trying to think of of an example from my own life of this, and this is maybe not the best example in the world, but I am kind of friends with uh, President Fossard of Mid-America Christian University. That's the college I went to, and uh, he's the president of that university, has been for about 16 years. Now, don't get me wrong, we're not like sitting sit down to get coffee every time I come in town kind of friends you know we're not calling each other on Saturdays and talking about the games or anything like that but when we see each other when our paths cross which happens from time to time we're on good terms we, he's very kind and uh, and we get along pretty great and in fact he was one of my uh, references when I applied for this job when I talked to you all about this job and you wanted to talk to some people that would say something good or bad about me and I don't know what he said to you about me but <laughs> he still brought me here so couldn't have been all bad hopefully but you know how many students get to put the president of a university on their, on their reference uh, but you know when he's a really nice guy and that's the, you know, the biggest reason why we're, we're why I would call him a friend but if I'm honest with you as well you know, would I even want to be his friend if he wasn't the president of a university <laughs> alright and would he even want to be my friend would he have noticed me from the sea of students that have come through the years if my uncle wasn't one of his top donors <laughs> i don't know the answer to that i mean he's friends with a lot of students whose uncles aren't so maybe but there's that part of things you know we just ten- it's our natural tendency to make relationships to want relationships with people who can profit us in some way, shape, or form. That's a cold way of looking at it, but it's so often true. We often pick our friends at school. We pick our friends at work. We pick our uh, spouses based on you know what are they going to do for us? How do they make us feel about ourselves? You know, we 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 want you know we have all done this to some degree. We might pick um, you know a friend at school based on well they're in the cool crowd. I, want to be friends with them. Or, you know, I have been rejected by the cool crowd, but this crowd over here will take me in. And so I, I want that sense of belonging. So I go and I become friends with them. Or, I want to date that girl because she's so pretty and all the guys will think I'm really good stuff if I can date this girl. Or, you know, I want to, I want to date the quarterback or, or the guys, you know, want to date the homecoming queen, which by the way, I married her. Just saying. And, uh, you know, just Just saying. <laughs> I mean, prom, right? Who do you pick to go to prom with? You know, it's a, it's a strategy to that kind of thing, right? You know, I, I'm still kicking myself to this day for not taking Margaret to the prom because Margaret was rich and all of her friends, all and many of them were my friends. They went back to her parents' mansion after the prom, you know, and, and got that whole mansion experience. I didn't get the mansion experience because I didn't ask her. I guarantee you she would have gone with me if I would have just asked her. <laughs> We pick these things based on, you know, how's this going to make me look? How's this going to make me feel about myself? How's this going to get me ahead in life? We make relationships as adults based on, you know, how's this going to help my career? How's this going to help, you know, my finances? How's it? There's, I'm not saying it's the only factor. I'm not saying that there's no, nothing kind-hearted about you or about me or about President Fossard. He's nice to every person I've ever seen him meet, whether they're a stranger or whatever, you know. But before you just start making excuses about, well, you know, relationships have to be mutually beneficial, et cetera, et cetera, just allow that to sting for a minute because when we're honest with ourselves, when we take a long, hard look at the mirror, there's a part of us that, that's how we do relationships. That's how our and our society has taught us When a relationship stops being profitable to you, it's time to move on. It's time to discard that relationship, move on to someone else. People do that in their dating life, people do that in their married life nowadays, don't they? When the marriage no longer makes them happy, when it's no longer mutually beneficial, when it's no longer beneficial just to them. I mean, Julie just saw an article she was telling me about just the other day about. This girl that said, you know, I know he still wants to be with me, but he just isn't going to be making me happy over the next few years, so I just need to go ahead and cut him loose. Divorce him. Move on to someone that can make me happy. That's the mentality of our world. And in many ways, we have each bought into it. This pre-principle that relationships, the way to do relationships... Is to figure out which relationships are going to be profitable to us. And when they're not anymore, then that relationship is not worth much anymore. We move on. That's completely different than Jesus' principle on how to do relationships. So what is this radical principle? We've heard the pre principle it's pretty depressing. What is the principle that Jesus gives us from his, the way he lived his life and what he taught us that should guide our relationships? Well, we read all about it in Philippians. It was a, a letter from Paul, apostle, church leader, missionary of the first century church. Writing a letter to a local church in Philippi, a Greco Roman city, and he shares this with them. He shares some thoughts, and it basically really describes our relationship principle that we're going to get to. He said things like Do nothing out of selfish ambition, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. Now, is any of this sounding like our pre-principle, you know, of the the uh, the whole regarding relationships as a means to profit yourself? No. That's pretty bold. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, and what does that look like? Well, even though Jesus was God, he goes on to say, He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of of a servant. Now does a servant exist to profit himself or herself? Does a servant or a slave exist to further their own desires and ambitions? No. They exist to profit the one whom they serve. And that's how Jesus came to us. How far did he take this principle? All the way. All the way. He died for us. Because he was a servant to all. Even death on a cross, Paul wrote. Because the cross, yet to, still yet to this day, is one of the worst ways that humanity has invented to die. But Jesus was willing to do that. Because he was a servant. That's how he did relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know what Jesus called this? He called it love. He called it love. You know, we, we tend to think of love as a feeling. You know that feeling you get when you meet the one, right? You know that feeling? You know that people tell you, well, you'll just know it when you find the one because you'll, you'll have that feeling. And that's love for us. But for Jesus, love was not how he felt about people. Love was what he was willing to do for people. And for Jesus, what he was willing to do was give his life. Jesus himself taught about this. We read in John chapter 15 where Jesus says, My command is this love each other as I have loved you. This is kind of a big deal because Jesus didn't go around really making a lot of commands. Now, there's that one command where he says, you know, the, the greatest command, the second greatest command. Well, that's when someone asked him, you know, what are Moses' greatest commands? You know, what were the greatest of the commands that Moses gave to... I mean, by the time Jesus was here, they had added on to Moses' commands with the hundreds of their own. And so the, the law for the Jews was just bulky, tremendous, I mean, hundreds of rules and commands. And so they said, well, which one is the most important? And Jesus said, well of the ones that Moses gave you, here's the most important ones. Well, this, he said, is his command. This is my command. Okay, you've got Moses' commands. You've got hundreds of commands you've added onto that. Here's my command, singular. One. Big deal. Love each other as I have loved you. And in case you weren't sure what love entails, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And again, this is my command. Love each other. Now Jesus did not have a stuttering problem that we're aware of. And Jesus did not often repeat himself unnecessarily. The fact that he said this is my command, love each other and then a few minutes later, this is my command love each other the fact that his disciples his people like Peter and John and Paul would later go on and mention this about a dozen more times in the letters that we have recorded in our New Testament love each other, love each other, love each other this is our command, love each other (laughs) kind of a big deal kind of a big deal so what is our principle? We could say our principle is, uh, you know, do relationships the way Jesus would do. And that would be a good principle. But it's I want it to be more specific for us. We could also say, uh, love each other is the principle. I mean, that's the one Jesus gave us specifically, right? Love each other. But the thing is, I don't trust your definition of love. Or mine. So we, I want to get even more specific than that. And thankfully... Jesus gets more specific for us as well. In fact, he tells this crazy story. Sometimes, you know, most of the time I read Jesus' stories, I'm like, that's good, Jesus, that's good, right on. And then sometimes he tells these stories that are just, I mean, you just, you said that, Jesus? Why? And this is one of those kind of crazy stories. But it's exactly what we need to hear to understand Jesus' relationship principle. How to do relationships his way. And it's found in Luke 16. And he tells this story about this crooked manager. You know, there's this business owner, a wealthy man, and he's got a manager that manages his business. And he finds out that this business manager has been dipping into the till, so to speak. Alright, he's been lining his own pockets with the company's money. Alright, well word makes it to this manager, the crooked manager, that, that uh, he's, his time of employment there with this boss is coming to an end pretty abruptly here. And he, being a wise individual, understands that, one, he's not cut out for manual labor, and two, no one's going to give him another white-collar job now that he's been caught Stealing money from his employer, so wisely he quickly calls in those who owe his master the greatest debt, his boss the greatest debts, and so in they come, and he says, "Oh, you owe him a hundred thousand. Well, let's cut that to five hundred thousand. Sign right here." Oh, you owe you know two hundred a quarter of a million. Well, you know let's cut that in half, one twenty-five. Sign right here. It was those people's lucky day, and you're expecting in this story that Jesus is telling that this owner's going to show up and justice is going to rain down in no uncertain terms. You know this. Instead, the master basically just kind of chuckles and says, "That is one shrewd dude." Now, if you look up. If you try to Google a Bible verse that says shrewd dude, you probably won't find it. But that's the Neil paraphrase, all right? So Jesus then ends the story and he says, it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. they understand some things that maybe the rest of us don't and just to get more specific he says here's the lesson from this crazy story that's got you thinking wait a second you know this sounds more like the pre principle than, than the principle this sounds more like someone out to profit themselves what's the, what's the lesson here Jesus and he says use your worldly resources to benefit others And make friends. And then when your earthly possessions are gone. They'll welcome you to an internal home. Jesus says. Use whatever worldly resources you have. That's your money yes. But that's also your time. That's your abilities. That's your attention. That's anything at your disposal in this world. It's your charm. It's your smile. It's your Whatever you got, use it to make friends. Use it to benefit others, and in the process, you'll make friends. This is our clue. We can get more specific than just do relationships Jesus' way. We can get more specific than just love each other. Jesus said, this is how it works. The people of the kingdom regard relationships as a means to profit others. It's the complete opposite. If you're filling out your card, you can kind of, we'll hit a summary at the end that'll help you get it all, but you can fill it out as you go if you want. But, you know, the people of this world, they regard relationships as a means to profit themselves. But Jesus said, My people need to do it different. Follow my example. Use every resource at your disposal to profit others. That's the way the people of the kingdom do relationships. Do you see how radical this is? I mean, while everyone else in the world is either overtly or covertly asking, you know, what's in this for me? How are you going to help me get ahead in life? How are you going to help me get ahead in my job? How are you going to make me feel good? And if you don't make me feel good, if you don't you know, help me see myself in a better light, if you don't do something for me, then why would I want to be in a relationship with you? And if you stop being of any benefit or profit to me, then it's time to cut you loose and find someone who can. The whole world is living that way, and here's Jesus saying, how can I benefit you? How can I profit you? How can I use something of of my resources to help you get ahead in life? I mean, no one does that. I want to, since you know, this is the relationship principle, I want to get it down to specifically friendships today. Because that's the relationship we're focusing on today as we introduce this new series. And I want to ask you a question that I doubt anyone has ever asked you before. Because that's how radical this principle is. That when we try to apply it, we get into territory that people just don't get into. And so maybe no one's asked you this question before, but the question is, how do your friends benefit from being friends with you? What's in it for them? How do they benefit from being friends with you? I mean, I know you're great stuff and all. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to be friends with you? But really though, how Do your friends profit, benefit? How are they blessed by being friends with you? I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. Hmm. How do they benefit from being friends with you? What's in it for them? Is it possible that you could stop worrying so much about what your friends think of you? Is it possible that you could drop the, the whole charade of just trying to look like you have it all together? Is it possible that you could stop living with jealousy in your life of wishing That you could have whatever this friend has or that friend has just by changing the question and starting to ask, starting to make your relationships about them and not about you. Just by simply saying, you know, I'm in this relationship to try and help them any way I can to use whatever resources are at my disposal to help them get ahead in life. When that becomes our mindset, there's no need anymore for being jealous of what they have in their life. Hey, if you've had any hand in helping them get there, awesome. We want to help them get even further. A friend who does friendship Jesus' way is wanting to somehow profit or benefit others, their friends. And when that's our mindset... There's no longer room for worrying about how do my friends see me or how you know how can I get what they have or what's in it for me? We live in a social media world and uh, some of you don't touch social media with a 10-foot pole and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Others of us dabble in it some or a lot and And, you know, social media is one of those things that's a blessing and a curse because, you know, the blessing is that in a disconnected world where families, you know, often live far apart and friends live, you know, they ended up far apart or there's just not much, we just live these hectic lives. You know, you can get on there, you can see pictures of what their family's doing, you can hear, you know, a little, you get a snapshot into their life and it helps us stay connected. But the flip side of that is it's this breeding ground for drama and self centeredness, isn't it? and and so it's a blessing and a curse but you know today believe it or not is selfie sunday on social media i mean selfie sunday you may not know what a selfie is and that's a good thing too (laughs) you get the idea selfie sunday just like tomorrow is man crush monday I don't make this stuff up. I mean, back me up guys. Is this not real? Okay. A, yes, it's real. We, <laughs> this, is, this is what happens on and so today on this day that we would hope might be a little bit less selfish day, people all over this planet <laughs> and especially around these parts in America will be posting pictures of themselves in hopes that people will many people will like it comment about how great they're looking or such a thing as that. You know, it's it's a special day, this Selfie Sunday. <laughs> but there's another kind of person online. And if you're on any of those social media networks, be it Facebook or Instagram or whatever you're on, you know, you've probably run across a person or two that they rarely post things about themselves, but they're all the time commenting on other people's things, encouraging words, uplifting words. They're going around, they're encouraging everyone else, but not looking for any encouragement themselves. It's like they're playing an entirely different game than the rest of the world's playing. And so should we. So should we. So in summary... People of the world regard relationships as a means to profit themselves, but people of the kingdom regard relationships as a means to profit others. And your question today as we talk about friendships is, how do your friends benefit from being friends with you? What could you do today to make your friends day? What encouraging text message or note could you send? You know, private message someone. Because when you do it privately, when it's a letter in the mail, when it's, you know, a private message, then there's no one to say, oh, look what a great guy or gal they are, you know. There's nothing in it to profit you. It's just to lift them up, to encourage them. What can you do to benefit one of your friends today what if in a few minutes after we sing a couple more songs and take an offering and those things we do at the end of the service what if at the end of this service we all stood up with a single minded mission to find as many people as we could and say something of benefit to them Some way of being a blessing and an encouragement to them. And what if we started with the people who couldn't really profit us in return? You know, like if if we had a guest and we went to them first. Or we picked out that kind of more prickly person in the crowd and went and talked to them. Or we went and found a kid and we went and encouraged them. Someone who can't really do much for us in return. And we just tried to encourage... We did that. What would that, how would that change the dynamic of our church? Not saying we have a bad dynamic. I'm just saying, what if we all did that every week? What a cool place this would be. And what if we took that same mission and went out there and, and talked, you know, did this with our friends that don't know Jesus? And all of a sudden, all their friends that do know Jesus are. Doing this whole—I mean—they're just like all the time trying to be a blessing, trying to be a blessing, trying to, you know, help them get ahead in life some way. That'd be a head scratcher for them, wouldn't it? In a world that just doesn't do that. In the weeks to come, you know, we'll look at—you know—what if we did that with our spouses or our families? Or I think it would change the world, don't you? Sometimes we say around here that we want to be a church that cares deeply and lives boldly with Jesus as our subject. And Jesus is our subject. You know, his subject is love each other. That sounds a lot like caring deeply. But the kind of love that he talks about is not your everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill kind of love. It's radically different than anything the world has ever seen. And so we have to live it out boldly. And I still believe that if we live bold lives, radically doing what we say we believe, that we will change this world. I mean, I think that the 70-ish people in here, maybe a little shy of that today, as everybody's traveling today, you'd think this was Labor Day weekend, right? But <laughs> and the 20 or so that listen online on our messages online what if just all of us started doing this would it not change our world if we radically lived this out just in our network of friends I think it would I believe it would I believe that's why Jesus made this his command singular love each other let's pray together Father, thank you for teaching us what real friendship looks like. God, we confess that too many times we've pretended, God, that our friends exist for our profit. But Holy Spirit, we need you to teach us to be a people who are radically committed to improving the lives of others instead. God, show us how to do that. Teach us a different way. We pray it in the name of Jesus who taught us this. Amen.